Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the first week of OTH Weekly Podcast. Um, in the off-season here, we're going to be breaking down one division per week. And then once we get into the regular season, it's going to be more of a podcast breaking down a single game from each week from a scouting perspective. Um, so for this week, we've got Craig Schmucker, David Gillespie, who's usually going to be hosting the pods with me, uh, Ryan Moran, and George Rosero. Uh, David? Yeah, uh, excited to be on here uh, first time. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on here. So, uh, um, you know, we're almost, almost, you know, finally we're beginning uh, the NFL training camp uh, for all the all the teams around the league. And, uh, yeah, 21 season is almost underway. So let's just get right into it. Um, very interesting off season for the L.A. Rams, uh, especially the acquisition of, uh, of Matt Stafford. Um, in the offseason, I think that was probably the biggest acquisition in the entire league. Um, so I just want to start off real quick. How much of an upgrade do you guys feel he brings to this team's offensive execution in the passing game compared to what Jared Goff had accomplished? Um, you know, we saw Goff had down in a very disappointing year despite the Rams being an NFC contender. Didn't quite get them over the hump against the Packers um, late uh, in, the, in the postseason. We think the additional dimension is that Matt Stafford brings this offense moving forward. Yeah, like you said, Jared Goff was a, a good quarterback, uh, but the thing about him is he's very limited once the play breaks down, and he's uh, very limited once he gets behind and down in distance. And those are two things that Stafford really excels at. Um, when the play would break down last year, you can see that Goff, he gets those happy feet and right away he it's either he's trying to get to his first receiver and if he can't get to it it's, it's he's getting sacked and not really getting a chance to walk onto the second guy or escape the pocket or even step up into the pocket and like get that innate feel that the quarterback has that Stafford has that Goff definitely doesn't um so just kind of like I guess uh when you're in purely passing situations it's a it's I can't explain how much of a a big upgrade it's going to be to have Stafford in there instead of Goff it's as a Rams fan or as a Rams as a scout watching Rams games you, you just watch them and you see them get into these third and long and it's a purely passing situation and and they absolutely have no chance so that'll be the two biggest things um when they're behind on long distance and uh, when the play breaks down I can definitely what agree you guys, that. What you guys I think that uh that Goff, he's more like a game manager type guy. And I think Stafford go, on, go out and win it for you. We didn't see it a lot with the Lions because their team was just trash. The defense was awful. But he's going to be on a team that has a much better defense and better surrounding pieces with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. We even have uh, Jacob Harris, who's been like the camp guy that everybody loves. But even if he doesn't pan out, they have Tyler Higby, who through a five-game five stretch was really good. I mean – He's never proven it for a full season, but he's definitely a good NFL tight end. And yeah. the thing is, for me, what, what Matt Stafford brings to the team and the huge difference is, you know, if you look at the Rams roster construction and just how they're put together, you've got such a, a good mix of variety of wide receivers and, and different types of receivers. <clears throat> he just opens it up for, you know, that intermediate, the short game, and even the long game because with golf, you know, once you hit that 10, 15 yard mark, you really never know if he's going to be accurate or even have the arm to get the ball there. 
whereas Stafford <clears throat> is elite in, at the short, the intermediate, and in the long game. He just opens it up for the run game, players that are good in the short and intermediate routes, and you know once you're in one-on-one coverage, especially in this division, which we'll get to that with other teams, some of these secondaries are a little bit weaker than others, so <clears throat> once you're in man coverage down, down the field, Stafford can really pick out a receiver. I'm with you, George. I think just from an arm talent perspective alone, Stafford is so much more dynamic. Like Jared Goff in his own right is a good quarterback, in my opinion. I just think with Sean McVay, they really reached the ceiling. They kind of maxed out. And for them at this point, I mean, they've gone all in with so many moves since McVay has been there that this move definitely made sense. Um, I think it takes some stress off of Sean McVay just as a play caller from a pre-snap standpoint. You know, the amount of things he would just try and kind of camouflage, I guess you could say, to make things easier on Goff. I think Stafford will be able to, you know, put more on himself. And the talent is certainly there. I, I think it's better than probably any team he ever had with the Lions in 12 or 13 years he was there. So it's definitely an ideal fit, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, I totally echo your guys' sentiment. I think really he brings uh, just so much more uh, uh, clutchness for one thing and so much more comfort when, when things get under, uh, when things get a little hectic down uh, the final stretch of the game. Uh, I mean, Matt Stafford, actually, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I'm not the biggest proponent of this particular stat, but it still is valuable nonetheless. I mean, he, he has the most fourth-quarter game-winning drives in a single season in NFL history, and he's top 10 of all time in terms of fourth-quarter game-winning drives. Now, that's not always applicable to how the quarterback plays in terms of who really warrants uh, a recognition for that stat. But it still, nonetheless has, it still nonetheless has some value. And I think Matt Stafford has been a big reason why They've been able to generate so many game-winning drives during his uh, time in uh, Detroit. And bringing that aspect to uh, their offense, that dimension to their offense, I think will really bolster them moving forward. And it's just unfortunate for Jared Goff because he had really struggled over the last couple of years. We've really seen him dwindle uh, compared to his third-year campaigns uh, in his career where, you know, obviously that that led to a Super Bowl appearance in 2018, even uh, most of all. Um, so really uh, unfortunate to see him struggle, but I think it's a blessing in disguise for him to go to Detroit, believe it or not, despite what some people may say with, with Dan Campbell, uh, uh, you know, with it being a new, a new regime over there and, and Dan Campbell being an unproven coach. I think it, it worked out for both sides, but especially for the Rams. Uh, uh, and like, like you guys said, he's got an absolute cannon of an arm. He can pick apart guys um, in, in, in man coverage, in, in zone coverage. So either way, you would win with, with Matt Stafford under center. Um, now, in addition to to what he's brought to this offense in the offseason, they're going to need to find out who brings uh, their, uh, an additional dimension to their run game uh, moving forward, especially with the loss of because the loss of, of Cam Akers, who just tore his L recently. How are they going to fill in the void with him? Now that he's going to be gone for the remainder of the season, are they going to look out into free agency uh, for someone like Todd? Maybe a re- reuniting with Todd Gurley, maybe a, a you know Devontae Freeman or a, a Le'Veon Bell, uh, or do they look within their depth and like Daryl Henderson, for instance, to be that bell cow moving forward in 2021? I yeah. think Daryl Henderson proved early last season, you know, like he can definitely shoulder the load for you, and um, he brings a bit of a different skill set. I like his game, his speed. I think he's a pass catcher. He could do some good things. Um, now, it could definitely help, maybe, just because there is such an unknown outside of him right now without Cam Akers. But 
And, and this is also why you trade for Stafford. I mean, you want to be able to throw the ball more now. You don't want to be so dependent on the running game. And I think they'll be okay either way. Yeah, so like when it comes to, to the Gurley thing, that's a non-starter for sure. They didn't think that he could even be a part of even a rotation last year. So they, they, they were paying him to play for the Falcons last year. So they definitely don't think he can be a productive member of their team at all. Um, but as far as adding somebody, um, depth from outside the organization, I don't expect that until at least later on in training camp. And they're going to wait to see if people get cut before they have to try to trade a pick for some uh, running back who's maybe going to be the second or third running back on the team. Um, I think that the one of the main things that McVeigh is probably going to start doing is something they already do a lot, and that's the jet sweeps and the motions. The Rams run <laughs> most motions in the league last year, and that just gives you way more time or chances to give the ball to, um, in the past, it's been Robert Woods coming in on jet sweeps um, or the ones where you can do a little pitch pass as they're coming by you. So it's kind of a pass, but it's really just a, you're, you're touching the ball right to the wide receiver who's coming across, and they're going to use Tutu Atwell a lot for that. Um, he's got blazing speed, super short area quickness, and um, he's got long speed, but it's also the horizontal speed. So once if you get him going while the other players on the defense saw to stay flat-footed, that's going to be a big advantage for the Rams. And they, they're going to use that a lot before they can even – um, start start getting into anything else. So. Well, I think that Darrell Henderson, like like Ryan said, he really did prove himself last year, and he seems like he can carry most of the load. I can see them maybe later on in camp, like if, like if uh, there was buzz about Melvin Gordon possibly getting cut by the Broncos, mm-hmm. which I think would be a huge get for them because he's got the experience. They have nobody behind Darrell Henderson with experience in the NFL right now. So even if he doesn't get cut, I would like to see them bring in a guy like Le'Veon. I know he's got a lot. He's got his own issues and stuff, but they, the Chiefs signed him to a, a vet minimum deal, and I don't see why the Rams couldn't do the same thing. I don't think he would start over Drill Henderson, but I could see him being a quality backup and then getting taking like a 40% share of the uh, carries possibly behind Drill Henderson. Because I think he's still got a little bit of juice left. As much as I'm into, like, a move for somebody outside of the organization, just knowing how the Rams kind of do their business a lot of the times, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, I love Daryl Henderson, and I do think 100% he's got to be their guy this year. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be their guy. It's as simple as that. He has all the attributes that they're looking for out of a workhorse running back. He's going to get the majority of the carries in between the tackles, and I think they're going to utilize jet sweeps, pitches, that type of thing, a lot of movement in the backfield, or even some 11, you know, 11 set up there. <clears throat> what do you guys think specifically for, for you, Justin? What do you think of guys like Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, who as of right now are listed as second and third stringers? Do you think that those are, are impact players? Like what are you seeing out of camp and out of like OTAs, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I think even last year when Henderson started, um, there was a couple of games where it looked like Henderson, not Akers, was going to be the lead back for the Rams all year long. And even during those games with Henderson, they were mixing in Malcolm Brown. And so I think that, that that's going to be the same thing uh, this year where none of the Rams um, running backs last year um, had more than 600 yards rushing. So they're happy with that. I think that if they did the same thing again, they had three guys around 600 yards rushing. <clears throat> 
uh, that would be pretty good. And they, they'd accept that for sure. Um, the who those three guys are, I think that they, they definitely think uh, Henderson will be one and then Xavier Jones will be another one. They, they, brought, they kept him on the roster all year last year, um, protected him from the practice squad. He didn't get any playing time. They were pretty deep at running back, and, except for the injury weeks. And um, so they're, they're going to be looking for probably a third guy, and maybe that'll come at the end of training camp, or maybe it'll be Jake Funk, like you said. It's just um, rookie coming off of two injuries, played last year only four games, and um, people want to get their hopes up because they really like the kid and they want to see good things from him, but it's just kind of <clears> a <throat> wait-and-see approach with me. Does anybody think that maybe uh, was Raymond Calais or is it Calais could possibly be like a like a third down back type yeah, uh, pass catching guy? They're more interested in him as competing for the kick return job. Okay. Uh, they, Atwell is kind of penciled in to do one of those jobs, but he didn't even do that in college. So um, he's kind of a backup insurance plan there as a kick returner. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Daryl Henderson. I, I, I'm hoping to see him get uh, the majority of the carries. Um, they could go a running back by committee approach uh, moving forward. Uh, and, and I wouldn't blame them, frankly, because the Rams do have a pretty solid offensive line. They'll have, you know, uh, Andrew Whitworth still anchoring down their left, uh, uh, the left end of their offensive line at, at left tackle. And he, he's still been a stud, even at his uh, age of what, he's 38 now, and still playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level. So they still have. And Austin Corbin, not to mention two uh, at the right guard spot, they, they really have some, you know, uh, impactful pieces within their offensive line that can really pave the way for Carol Henry to really prove himself and evolve to that featured back who gets the majority of the carries. But again, I wouldn't blame him if they, you know, uh, uh, ultimately went to a running back by committee approach. It'd be interesting to see either way. But uh, again, I, I like you guys have talked about highly with Daryl Henderson. Um, uh, especially you, George, you were talking really highly about him saying he's, he's got all the pieces in place. Um, and I would echo that, but it's in, in a different way. It's more so like, and this is going to sound a little blasphemous for, I think, especially for Cowboys fans, but he almost kind of reminds me in a way of, a, of an Emmett Smith, not not in terms of being that guy who's going to be a, a guaranteed Hall of Famer and one of the top five running backs to ever play that's not what i mean by that what i mean is that he has so many things he does well enough to where it's a complete package it it molds itself into what exactly you want from a running back if they don't have a specialty as you know a a seed strip they're not the the fastest back in the league if they're not the absolute best power back in the league in the league he's got that awareness he's got that complement of uh of both power and speed you know uh that I think can really serve him well moving forward, um, you know, in the backfield for, for the Rams uh, uh, to really get the job done and, and get them back again into contention and, and maybe even another Super Bowl appearance this year when it's all said and done. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of moving piece, a lot of you know differences in place uh, with with the Rams this year. Also, in addition to what we're seeing, at, you know, in the changes at quarterback, we're also seeing a lot of changes. Defensively, within their secondary, they just lost Troy Hill and John Johnson uh, to the Cleveland Browns, along with their defense coordinator in Brandon Staley. Uh, so the Rams, you know, they're beginning the schedule not with an easy stretch whatsoever. I mean, we're talking about the Bears on Sunday night football here. Then they got the Bucks, Colts, 
uh, I'm sorry, the Colts, Cardinals, and Seahawks. Some of these are the better defenses within the league. How much could this hurdle affect their early goings in establishing a rhythm, uh, um, you know, uh, to, to prove themselves as a contender, um, you know, uh, uh, within the NFC West? Yeah, that's, that's big. They're, they're breaking in the new defensive signal caller because John Johnson's not wearing the helmet anymore. Um, so that's going to be Jordan Fuller. Uh, they're also going to be breaking in new defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, coming over, and Brandon Staley's gone. And um, they're also uh, – the Rams don't really play anybody, play their starters in the preseason. They're notorious for the last couple of preseasons, their starters not getting any reps whatsoever. So you're going in with hardly any reps most likely – and with a new, brand new defense and um, brand new uh, defensive captain there. So uh, I expect early on that the offense is going to try to be carrying the team. We're going to have to carry the team, especially against the teams that they're playing, because at the Chicago game, that doesn't seem too tough, especially um, Andy Dalton starting at quarterback. I don't, I don't expect that to be a huge battle for the Rams. But right after that, they get into the division games and they get into um, the Colts. They get um, the bucks so those are just the first five games right off the bat it's going to be a tough one but uh we'll see how they get through it what do you guys think i think the key game in there is going to be that uh, second or third game where they play both the colts and the bucks defense because that's really going to show whether the offensive line for the rams is going to have what it takes to stand up against the top defenses in the nfl this year the colts front seven I mean, after this year and after this year's draft, they were already one of the best top front sevens in the NFL, and they just got better. And then you have the defending Super Bowl champions who prided themselves on having Patrick Mahomes running backwards more than any other player ran forwards in the entire game. Let's just keep that in mind. These are two defenses and two front sevens that absolutely terrorize quarterbacks and as mobile and as shifty as Matt Stafford's been in his career, he did. He has dealt with some injuries in the last couple seasons. You know, we can't keep that. Got to keep that in the back of the mind. If he really goes down in some of these situations, who are you leaning on in, at that point? You know, you have to have your offensive line playing at a, t at a high level with those. And if John Wolford ends up having to come in at some point, how does that dictate? won the offense for those couple games and the season going forward depending on Stafford's health that's not a super deep group for the Rams unlike you know their wide receivers or even some of their front seven some of their deeper groups quarterback's not one of those positions for the Rams yeah quarterback and offensive line are not really deep positions I was going to say that we're breaking in a brand new center also so going up against those defensive lines um, the first couple weeks of the season, it's really going to be a true test for um, Austin Corbett moving over from right guard to center. They um, Yeah, it should be interesting, most definitely. Yeah. From, um, but uh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, uh, once um, the, the season gets started and the, the defense starts rolling, um, I don't know. I don't really expect this to be nearly the type of defense that it was last year because everything they said about Brandon Staley is that the dude is just an absolute mastermind, like playing chess and everybody's playing checkers type of defense. And 
he came in and made us a lot better of a defense than we were the year before with not very many changes to the personnel. So that's going to be big to see how Raheem Morris can come over and um, try to do the same thing. They're running a really similar system, so we'll see. I think luckily for them, though, at least, like, you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey to the point where, like, you're still able to overcome. And even, like, some of the lesser names. I mean, Jordan Fuller, Leonard Floyd, Sebastian Joseph Day, Darius Williams. I mean, they, they still have such a talented unit uh, that I think they'll still be able to get by. Yeah, it's nice to have this cornerstone kind of pieces. Like, I feel yeah, like, yeah, in a way, yeah. this offseason, somehow his value has been almost, like, undervalued. The fact that Aaron Donald might not just be the best defensive player in football. He might just be straight up the best player in football. And I think everybody kind of needs to keep that in mind. That might be a little bit of snake poison for him, but the man is insane. Like, every time I watch him, he is a walking, you know, <clears throat> offensive line destroying highlight reel. And I don't know of any player in the league or any line in the league that can actively stop this front seven, or especially with how guys like Leonard Floyd really broke out at the end of last season. Like, yeah. this Rams defense should still be really, really good. You always have to, like, expect some regression. But when you're number one in the league and you regress to a little bit worse than that, you still might as well be number one in the league. Yeah, especially if your offense is getting better, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is a team that I think is is poised. I mean, they, obviously, there's still plenty of pieces that remain there that are clear strengths for any team within the league. Um, you know, you guys know on, on a lot of them already, especially still with even in their secondary and Darius Darius Williams and, and Jalen Ramsey, and obviously Aaron Donald, who a lot of people consider for maybe the best defensive player in the league. I would personally disagree. I, I think he's the best defensive tackle in the league, unequivocally so. But I think you know certain other linebackers, certain linebackers out there rather. Um, would vie more for that spot as the best defensive player uh, in the entire league, like a, a Darius a Leonard, a Bobby Wagner, maybe a Levante David, uh, just a little bit more so than an Aaron Donald, despite the fact that he's obviously a one-man wrecking crew as <laughs> as a pass rusher. And this guy, I, 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 the crazy thing about it is that he's, he's a three technique, which where you're, you're, you're punching the shade of the guard, and you're constantly getting double teamed as a defense tackle, more so than you are as a defensive end. Um, and he's still able to get by and to get the quarterback with ease. It's, just, it's unbelievable how he's, how he's been able to do that year in and year out. And as long as he can stay healthy here, I don't expect anything different from him. Uh, this team, again, they have so many pieces uh, defensively, so I think they're going to bounce back even despite the, the, you know, the, the change at defensive commander um, uh, with Raheem Morris. Uh, one of the biggest strengths to the Rams last year has been, uh, you know, against in terms of what they've been able to throw against uh, opposing offenses was the variation within their schemes uh, that they played uh, in coverage, whether it be cover four, cover six, you know, so many different alignments that they, uh, so many different coverage scheme rather, that they would uh, uh, up against opposing offenses that really, I think, did them well uh, uh, to have tremendous success. And it should be interesting to see what he throws, uh, uh, what Raheem Morris throws against opposing offenses uh, when he put his um, particular style of, um, of play um, for 2021. Uh, but let's get into the Seahawks now uh, for our focus within the NFC West. Um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, uh, uh, with, with the offseason drama with Russell Wilson. That was a big storyline as well. Um, uh, this offseason with his future 
moving forward with the Seahawks, was he on the move initially, potentially to actually my Chicago Bears, which would have been a dream come true at that time. Now that we've got Justin Fields, I'm totally fine with what's, uh, what happened in, uh, in lieu of that. Um, but uh, uh, what's the level of tension pressure do you feel placed on the Seahawks brass and coaching entering this season, considering the drama that took place with Russell Wilson, even despite the fact that things may have simmered down uh, uh, going forward in 2021? I think there's a great deal of pressure just because you have a great quarterback who I think his frustration is totally understandable, just like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's it's like Tom Brady, too. And I think Brady just proves how right they are with their frustration. Like these organizations can't get personnel decisions right. And you squander opportunities for these guys to win Super Bowls. And I, I understand where Russ is coming from. I mean, they haven't gotten first round draft picks right. The offensive line, I feel like, is always a work in progress. And to be honest, like they should be on the hot seat just because you get the quarterback right doesn't mean that you should have such a safe, you know, job every year. Yeah, I don't see how they're going to have such of a bad um, view of the Rams when we had Brian Schottenheimer. You can see how bad of an offensive coordinator, how vanilla he was. And then right after the Rams fire him, the Seahawks hired him. And you just kind of know they're kind of in after their hiring at that point because, and they kept him around for three years and. The dude is just nobody has worked with him and had success or um, more success than they had before he got there. He just makes everybody worse. Shots fired at Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah, yeah <laughs> really shots fired. No, I, I, I know what you mean. It's been it's been rough. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing that Ryan brought up in there and that I'm looking at now is this offensive line is it's bad. It. It's when dog crap. It when is he, not good. When Russell Wilson of all people looks at looks at the depth chart and says, I don't want to play here anymore because my offensive line is so bad, it says, you know what, maybe I'll I'll stick with it in Seattle another year, and you do absolutely nothing to help him out except go out and draft yeah. Dwayne Eskridge, which keep in mind I love Dwayne Eskridge. I think he'll be an exceptional NFL receiver. He's he's so talented, extremely quick. But when you go out, lose a couple of your big defensive pieces from years past, do nothing to address your offensive line, and essentially tell your your star quarterback who's been the guy for how many years in a row with Seattle, just pretty much tell him, okay, have fun, keep doing what you're doing, enjoy. I mean, really, that's just a slap in the face to him, and I don't understand how he's not in a similar situation to Aaron Rodgers, where you've got Rodgers saying, you know, I want to go out there and win, and I want to win the way that I want to, and I know that I can, and the team doesn't do anything for him. So he says, I'm leaving, whereas Russ said the same thing, but now is you know going through training camp and is expected to play for Seattle going forward. I don't understand how the situations kind of devolved and split so separately, but at this point I just feel bad for Russell Wilson because we, we all know how that offensive line is going to get shredded in this division yeah and yeah. the thing is they have plenty of weapons they got chris carson at running back they got tyler lockett dk metcalf freddie swain's not a bad third receiver so they mm -hmm. didn't even have a need for eskridge they could have went o-line and not had any issues there so i had i mean eskridge is a good player nothing against the guy but i just i don't see why they took him there it didn't make any sense to me yeah it seems like um with the Pete Carroll and 
Russell Wilson thing is like at the end of this season, if they haven't won the Super Bowl, one of them is probably gone. Yeah. Even though people mm-hmm. have a contract. You know, gonna have a lot of people would say that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was like, they have to keep, keep keep Pete to keep, uh, get rid of Pete to keep Russell, or get rid of Russell to keep Pete, vice versa. You know. Just let Russ cook. Yeah. Let the man throw the ball. Let Russ cook. Come on. Hey, that baby <laughs> that is special. Cook. Just let him cook. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really. I mean, I, I was you know watching the Seahawks last year. It was so frustrating to see them kind of cave in down the final stretch of the season and, and, and really. Um, you know, especially against the Rams and, and how much of a liability that offensive line, real, uh, how much of a liability that offensive line really uh, uh, showed itself to be in the playoffs with how much pressure the Rams uh, front seven generated against them uh, in that uh, uh, in that uh, wild card round um, to start off the, the 2020 playoffs. So it, it really was frustrating if you're, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan, if you're uh, playing with the Seahawks, and, you know, and you're not on that offensive line to know to see what Russell is going through, obviously with Russell Wilson in particular, must have been especially frustrating. Uh, uh, you know, not to have that help in place that can really put them over the hump because that's really, uh, you know, a lot of people envision them to maybe get back to the Super. That was the, the one thing that probably prevented them from, you know, getting getting at least back to the Super Bowl. Um, uh, I, mean, I, I think they could have added a little more defensively, but um, oh yeah, that defense is awful. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. The defense is awful, but I still think that the front seven is still good enough to where uh, now with the, with the absence of Jaron Reed, that'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. Um, uh, uh, you know, now that he's he's gone to Kansas City, but um, but but this they, they were still going to because of what that offensive firepower brought to make up the fact that the defense was lacking. Uh, um, in certain areas, especially within their secondary, which I think was a little overrated, despite a lot of people being high on Jamal Adams and Quante Diggs, um, it's made up with how explosive it was with guys like Chris Carson. When you saw, what we saw with um, um, uh, Carlos Hyde, too, even as their backup running back, um, what he provided uh, at time. Obviously, that you know their wide receiving core with Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf, it still was good enough to where they could potentially get back to the Super Bowl, but. Um, that offensive line is really going to hold them back. And, and again, like you guys said, they didn't do too much to address it in the offseason. They did add Gabe Jackson from the Las Vegas Raiders. He's, he's pretty good. I actually think he's he's kind of uh, maybe not as good as he used to be a couple of years ago, but still good enough nonetheless to really, I think, bolster uh, their interior um, uh, part of their offensive line. Didn't allow a single sack last year. Wasn't credited with a single one uh, while protecting on, on the left side. Uh, for the Bears, he's a physical drive blocker, really committed to delivering blocks that I think can really help out this offensive line and 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 uh, uh, not have uh, you know and, and definitely a plus for them compared to like the days when they were thinking of addressing their offensive line with guys like George Fant, who hadn't played like any high school or uh, I think it was even college football, and they were go ahead and start on our left side, go ahead and be the anchor at our left tackle and protect for Russell Wilson. And we should be just fine, just absolutely fine. And we also we obviously saw how that played out because it was an absolute uh, uh, catastrophe. No disrespect to George Fan, but it just it, it did not work out with someone like him and a Jermaine Ifedi, who now plays for my Chicago Bears, um, you know, who was a disappointment during his time in Seattle. But um, new offense coordinator was Shane Walden, who was the, the passing coordinator and the quarterback coach of the Rams past three years. Should be interesting to see how he fits in, but – it would have been nice to see them get a more proven offensive corner, like Gary Kubiak, if they could have lured him back into the NFL. I know he's 
eager to kind of get out. But if they would have had someone with a more proven uh, 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 resume like him, it would have been a little more promising to at least uh, make up for the fact this offensive line still is lacking um, uh, uh, the strength that it needs to have. Um, so, you know, that was something that was a little disappointing. I, I, the thing about Pete Carroll that's really interesting, too, is that uh, a lot of people – I was someone who sided more so with Russell Wilson in this fiasco than Pete Carroll. And, and, and Pete Carroll's such a nice guy, but he's also – there's also this, like, hint of, of, of kind of like – kind of a patronizing hint where he kind of – when someone's trying to, to voice their opinion or voice their uh, uh, disagreement, like we had seen with Richard Sherman – uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch and all those guys who didn't agree with play calls. Uh, Michael Ben didn't agree with Pete Carroll's uh, coaching style at times and, and Earl Thomas as well. The numerous guys who really didn't always agree with what Pete Carroll brought to the table. It, it almost seemed like he kind of said, okay, you guys don't know more. Like, you guys don't know any better than I do. Just get out of here. Let, 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 let the king, you know, uh, reign, you know, as, as the ruler as opposed to you guys who are just the players when I'm the head coach. You know, it almost kind of felt like that despite the fact that he always comes across as a nice guy. And I think that's kind of rubbed people the wrong way. But, but Russell Wilson is one of those guys who you can really, you know, he, he can look past that and move beyond it. And I think that's what he did this year to where they coexist this year. But this is not – Justin, like you said, it, I wouldn't be surprised if when it's all said and done, one of those two is gone after the 2020 season. Because it, it just – We've kind of seen long enough what Pete Carroll has brought to the table to where now it's a proving year. Now it's a year where you got to make it. You got to get back into the mix of of, of uh, vying for a Super Bowl uh, uh, ring again. And if they don't do that, it's going to be huge global uh, uh, um, disappointment um, uh, for in Russell Wilson's career. Um, uh, you know, we talked about the offensive line and how much of a liability that is. How far is this team? We talked about the defense and how disappointing it is. You know uh, how disappointing it's been in recent years compared to the Legion of Boom days. And when we were on the Legion of Boom days, when they had guys like Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, you know, three guys who, uh, uh, at least with Sherman and and, and Thomas, probably uh, in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done, and and probably would have been the same place for Cam Chancellor had he kept playing. Uh, how far though are they from getting back to that 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 strength with that secondary um, in the Legion of Boom days um, with their current secondary in Jamal Adams and Quandre Dix? How far is that gap between where they are now and, and getting back to those Legion of Boom days within their secondary in particular? I think it's pretty far, honestly. I mean, there's still an unknown with Jamal's contract status, whether they're going to re-sign him or not, whether he's going to opt to stay there. Um, now, he is a great blitzer. He's great, strong safety. Um, but he is a liability in coverage, and I think that was seen last year. Um, I think Quandre Diggs is a good free safety, but, I mean, the corner position right now is just such an unknown. I mean, I, I like D.J. Reed. I think he's maybe an underrated sleeper going into the season. Um, Akella Witherspoon had his ups and downs with the 49ers, but he does fit the scheme with his length, his speed. Um, Trey Flowers, I mean, has been up and down. So, to me, it's – it's not too close to where it was during Legion of Boom days. The thing is, for me, if we're looking or trying to compare those two, you know, groups of defenses, I just I don't see much of a comparison at all. I just feel like they're built completely differently. If you look at this, you know, kind of, it, it looks like it's going to be run as a four-three. That's you know, kind of, I don't want to say box standard, but I think that's going to be their kind of base set. 
It's just built completely differently. I feel like they're going to try and get a lot more interior pressure. I really, really like Puna Ford in the interior on that defensive line. And we can't discredit or discount how much of a difference maker Carlos Dunlap was whenever he got there and signed his extension. He took that defensive line like after the trade, and whereas before they could get a bit of pressure to the quarterback, he came in and they all of a sudden started really putting on pressure, getting more sacks, getting more hits on the quarterback. And Kerry Hyder Jr., he's more of a complimentary piece where Dunlap is definitely going to, you know, again, have to take the reins on this defensive line. But I feel like this defense isn't built to be led by its secondary. It is currently built to be led by its front seven. Create pressure on the quarterback, lock down the intermediate section of the field. Because keep in mind still, they have Bobby Wagner, who is just one of the premier kind of all-around linebackers in the NFL today. He's great in coverage, he's great at the offensive line, and he can still get to the quarterback even at his age. And like we already said, Jamal Adams, he still kind of fits into that system, into that role where, is he great in coverage? No. We all know that. We've all seen it. it. He's not great in coverage. But once you get him in the slot or close to the offense, or excuse me, the offensive line or the line of scrimmage, he really is a difference maker because he blows up blockers. He gets into the backfield and you know can and has the power to bring down either a running back, a quarterback, or you know if somebody's running a, a sweep by chance, he has the power to bring down just about anybody on the field that could be playing on offense. Quandre Diggs, I'd say, is a very good free safety. I like him a lot. I loved that pickup for the Seahawks. But as we said, the real question marks are in the corners. We don't know who's going to play slot. We don't know who's going to play nickel. I like DJ Reed more as, like, a number two. He has to be their number one guy. He has to step up and be their shutdown corner. I don't know if he has the, the skill set to do that just yet, but if they're able to get to the quarterback like they did at the end of last season... I feel like it'll end up being less of uh, a point of contention for them with you know opposing wide receivers because at the end of the day, if you're getting to the quarterback before they can get the ball out of their hands, the pass isn't getting off as is. And it I doesn't think... matter as much as in the secondary. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they brought in also Alvin Smith, so that's another uh, defensive line addition. Um, shifting gears over to the Cardinals' defensive line addition, they brought in J.J. Watt. So, obviously, multiple-time defensive player of the year. Uh, what do you guys think that J.J. Watt's going to be able to do to kind of transform this Cardinals defense? I think Watt's going to be huge for them. He uh, he played under Wade Phillips and Vance Joseph, their defensive coordinator now, was actually there when Wade Phillips was there for, like, the first three years of Watt's career. He runs a similar scheme with a 3-4, so Watt's kind of – comfortable with it last year he only had what did he have was it hold on i got my paper over here somewhere he had about he had like 15 five sacks, sacks. Or five, yeah five sacks five last sacks. year and but i think he mm -hmm. can get a lot more this year and he had 14 tackles for loss last year 17 quarterback hits i think a lot of it was because he was getting double teamed a lot of the time he actually was double teamed more than any other decent defensive uh lineman in the NFL last year, and he's going to be across from uh, from uh, man Chandler Jones. from Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. And nobody, nobody's yeah. going to be double teaming JJ Watt when Chandler Jones is on the other side. Mm -hmm. So that just frees him up to go right to the quarterback. I think the defense. I mean, they took a big leap last year. They were one of the worst defensive and 
defenses in the league the year before. And then last year, I think they were ranked like 12th in the league. So I think the addition of J.J. Watt is going to be big time this year. Oh, 100%, I agree. And I just think even for the Cardinals, if they're trying to like take the next step with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, like getting J.J. when you're going up against the Browns and the Bills, two Super Bowl teams, I think it really says a lot. I think J.J. definitely has confidence there, obviously, with DeAndre Hopkins. And like you said, just playing alongside Chandler Jones, I mean, you think about his days with Jadavion Clowney and Whitney Merciless, how tough they were all the stop. The secondary, I mean, is a bit of an unknown outside of Buda Baker, but I think similar like you were just saying with Seattle, I mean, if they can get home with J.J. Chandler, Zach Allen, some of the other guys that have up front, I mean, it, it can it can get into the top ten just based on the pass rush alone. Yeah, and they brought in Malcolm Butler this year, and he just right. came off one of his best years with the Titans last year. So I think he's playing good football right now. He's going to come in. He's going to automatically – fill that Patrick Peterson spot, which Patrick Peterson was the highest penalized uh, player on their defense last year. So he would, and I'm an LSU fan. He was, he was garbage last year. He was not good. I mean, he's a good player. I think he's going to have some good years with the Vikings still. They kind of can squeeze, uh, squeeze a little bit out of the defensive backs when they get there, it seems like. But uh, I think Malcolm Butler is actually an upgrade from Patrick Peterson last year. And, I mean, I'm looking at this defense right now, and there are a couple standout guys from the end of last season. I mean, who, who, okay, who in here actually thought that one of their best defensive players last year was going to be Marcus Golden? Because, honestly, he was a difference maker every time we saw him on the field. He was really exceptional. I mean, watching the Cardinals, uh, that's, I don't want to say he was the the last person I expected to, to really be such a big difference maker, but he was very impactful, and I think one of the other main things that like absolutely has to happen for this Cardinals defense to really hit its potential is we have to see what kind of steps forward Isaiah Simmons can make. Because coming exactly. out of college, he was one of the most versatile players I'd ever seen play, especially at the college level, and he was just extremely impressive. I was kind of surprised he dropped as low as he did, but last season we saw kind of why. There isn't a real spot for positions. Right. Exactly. He can play so many different positions. He's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. If he can really become a, a, a good line, like a just a solid linebacker, we already know he can play in coverage, which a lot of linebackers can't do. It's going to be whether he can put all the pieces together and really become an impact piece for this defense. And they brought in Zayvon Collins in the draft. Yeah. Yep. Zayvon Collins would be big time for them, too. And he's another versatile guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they brought him out of uh, Tulsa, out of the draft. He was uh, kind of a, another jack-of-all-trades kind of guy exactly. who really brings it to the table. Um, uh, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, because he's coming from a, a maybe not as, as proven of a school in Tulsa as compared to, like, some of the more elite programs. Uh, you know, you were, you were talking earlier about like LSU, who bolsters a ton of uh, NFL talent defensively. But uh, I, I think this Cardinals linebacking card has potential to be one of the best in the NFL, to be honest. I mean, you talk about Chandler Jones, you're talking about Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, and, and Marcus Golden, who had a lot of success earlier on in his career with Arizona in his first stop there, uh, where he recorded a career high 12 and a half sacks. I think it was in 2016, 2017. Um, so if he can get back to that old form, or, you know, to at least, you know, a couple years ago, we saw a double-digit sack here with the Giants back in 2019. Um, this is this is a linebacking quarter that could be incredibly formidable and really get this Cardinals team back into the playoff mix because, 
there's a lot of pressure on Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury this year. I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, the Cardinals, they looked poised to be a potential playoff team uh, early on in the first half of the season. They were 5-2 and two to begin out the year. And then to close it out, you know, finishing 8-8, eight and eight, it was it was frankly disappointing, especially with uh, uh, how Murray had begun out, the chemistry he had uh, uh, built up with, with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but uh, this year... You know, this is a big prove-it year for the Cardinals. Very, very big prove-it year. And um, I'm hopeful that that uh, J.J. Watt can add an additional dimension to them. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep health intact because that's obviously been a concern over the last few years. That's why we haven't seen him play like vintage J.J. Watt. He's had, don't get me wrong, had some great years um, over the last few years. Uh, you know, not too long ago, he had recorded, you know, 16 and a half sacks. I believe it was in 20, was it 2018? That he ended up doing that, yeah. Where he was all pro that year and 61 tackles in addition to that. Um, I still think he can get back to that level because he's such a special athletic talent. But the key thing is, can he keep his health intact? Can he keep himself on the field? That'll be the interesting thing. Uh, you know, I, I hear there's a lot of uh, I'm pondering about whether or not experiment with him on the inside uh, because of how much strength he brings to the table. Um, but again, it, it, it all comes down to. Uh, uh, that that cannot remain intact, um, and and I think losing uh, you know Hassan Riddick will also be interesting. This is a team that is losing twelve and a half sacks worth of production from last year uh, uh, from that you know from that uh, uh, outside linebacker spot in, in Hassan Riddick, who of course just went to the uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers. Um, so can they find will that this linebacker will Zayvon Collins, for instance, step up and fill in the void? Uh, to make up for that, you know, since he's the new piece that's that's entering the mix, that'll be really interesting. Uh, but uh, the Cardinals, they, they've got a lot to prove this year, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another team got something to prove here. Um, I guess it's the 49ers two years ago. Um, they went into the Super Bowl, um, pretty much looked like they were going to win, choked it at the end and lost. And last year they had the team that was just absolutely decimated with injuries. Um, one of those uh, players that got hurt last year was Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think the first question we asked about the 49ers is, um, how long of a leash is Garoppolo going to have before they have their first one Trey Lance starting at quarterback? It's really a tough, tough thing to look at because I really do think that if you just look at this team as it is right now, it may be very thin in just about every position, but every position has a ton of talent. You know, you can just pick out absolute guys at every single position, but if you look at their second and third string, that's where you start to really have a lot of question marks. So the way that I look at it is, look, if Garoppolo is healthy up through, let's just say, five or six games, and they're winning those games... You actually, like, as as soon as he starts winning games, you really do need to start lengthening that leash and say, okay, maybe we'll take a lesser performance, but if we get the win, that's okay. If we get the win, that's okay, because if you just look at this team on paper, it's a championship-caliber team. The only issue to me is if a single player gets injured and is, is out for an, any extended period of time, the you know, the castle of cards just falls down. You know, let's just say, for example, another guy who's had injury concerns, uh, they're starting running back Raheem Mostert. If he goes down, do they have some solid talent behind him to kind of, you know, pick up the slack? Sure. 
I love Trey Sermon. Wayne Gallman's had some really solid years with the Giants up before now. And both those guys, I feel like, could certainly fit the scheme, but they don't have that same type of skill set that Mostert does. Mostert has elite speed. He can really, you know, kind of open it up and, and put his foot on the gas once he gets into the secondary and into the defensive backfield. Sermon and Gallman really haven't been able to do that. Those are more your power backs, your third down guys, where, you know, they don't like to go down on first contract, et cetera, et cetera. They're just not the same type of player. George Kittle is an elite tight end. Who do you have after him? Ross Dwelly? I'm sorry, but George Kittle is arguably one of the best tight ends in football at the moment. I don't know who Ross Dwelly is. Like, that's, that's awful to say, but that's what I mean. If you look at every single position, even on the defensive side of the ball, and this is what we saw last year, the Niners as a team had more men, like, games lost per player than any other team in the NFL. They lost so many games, and most of them were on the defensive side of the ball. And that defense went from one that can lead the league to one that was mediocre at best. And that's really a shame because I think that this team could make it back and make a deep playoff run. But as it's currently constructed, it's fragile. If one player gets hurt, that's it. And the only guy that I think that could really fill in for Mostert that's on their roster right now is Elijah Mitchell. I'm not really sure that he's good enough to fill in for him right now, but he ran a 4.35 at his pro day. He's got crazy speed, and he's kind of that uh, one cut type one cut type of runner. And he, I think, could succeed in their scheme. Yeah, definitely. So whether they can um, get the running game going or not. Um, what are you guys' prospects? I think the prospects look like for this season. Of do you think they're gonna ever get back to 2019 form, or is that just a team that's in the past and we're not gonna see that again? I, I think, think they have a great chance. Or, you got no. Okay, so I think they have a good chance of repeating a similar type of form, but I think they have to do it in a different way. I think just with all the moving parts, because quite clearly. This isn't the same defense that played in 2019. You know, guys are older, guys have more experience, guys have dealt with injuries. I mean, as we sit here and talk about it, technically Nick Bosa is still questionable. We don't know 100% if he'll be 100% for week one, but I do think this team still has a lot of talent at all three levels. I mean, you've, of course, you've got Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, uh, just in your front four. Fred Warner just got the absolute bag i mean he just got paid and rightfully so he really makes this defense multi-dimensional especially when we're talking about that linebacking core and then if you look at their secondary is it the strongest part of their team obviously not jason verrett is is good when he's on the field he's always dealt with injury issues jaquiski tart and jimmy ward are both good safeties but to me, those guys are unproven. We don't know exactly what they'll be and how they'll fit into this scheme. And when we talk about this defense and talk about losses or talk about huge changes in difference makers, we cannot forget about the defensive coordinator. We cannot forget about Robert Sala. He seemed like the the driving force behind this defense. You know, we always see the clips of him now that he's a head coach. We hope... I actually, I, I say it, I hope he does the same as what he did as a defensive coordinator, running up and down the field, getting in his guys' faces, and, and really 
bringing an energy to the team. And he did that with the Niners. And we just don't know if it's going to be that same type of energy, that same type of of defense that's going to be on the field. So as, as good as I think this defense can be, I don't think there's any way for it to actively go back and be that 2019 defense. They definitely can have a good offense, though, with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback when he's healthy. If he could stay healthy, I think they'll be just fine. Um, if he starts dealing with injuries and stuff, we might be able to see what Trey Lance has. And I think that brings a whole different uh, offensive philosophy to the forefront because Lance is going to be able to run the ball. He's got a cannon, and – if he is what the 49ers think he is, they probably are even better with him than they are with Garoppolo. Garoppolo is just safer at the moment. Yeah, to follow up on your point there, Craig, yeah. I think if Debo and Ayuk can really be like what we expect and look to that potential, like it, get, it does give them a little bit of a better element than what they had in 2019, I think. Absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, Debo's your short. He, he can do all the intermediate stuff, and Brandon Ayuk, he can do everything. He's, yeah. he, he's was, he was a big surprise. I mean, he, he was the first-round receiver, and they saw what they had in him, but a lot of people were doubting it whenever they drafted him, and he turned out to be really good. I think he had like a 21% target share as a rookie. Target with share. Even, with, even with, the, uh, with the injuries and stuff, that's big for a rookie. Yeah, it, it, it'll be honestly. I'm I'm really interested interested to see how this season plays out for uh, for the 49ers because they're probably the big mystery of this division, um, uh, the big, biggest mystery of of the entire division, considering the injury aspect. I mean, this team is riddled with injuries, and it wasn't. I mean, it was left and right in just about every every which way you looked they, they were dealing with injuries as, as a part of their roster that were so incredibly costly that was the reason they ultimately ended up picking up double digit losses last year so if they can keep their health intact i think this team still has a chance to be uh, um, a, a playoff caliber team i wouldn't say necessarily could they be a contender they could be it's it, the, they're a contender, but they're on the back end of the list of contenders because I think some of their losses are going to kind of show, uh, are, are going to kind of be illuminated this year uh, from what, they, what they've experienced over the last couple of years um, from their roster overhaul. Losing guys like, I know it's been a couple of years removed, but losing guys like DeForest Buckner, I think will soon enough show that it may be a costly decision to move on from someone like him. Losing Richard Sherman now. Obviously, considering what he's gone through recently, it was probably uh, right for them to part uh, to, to ultimately not have him on the roster right now, uh, uh, considering he's going through a lot of legal transgressions right now. But uh, but having that loss of production, though, nonetheless, means someone's going to have to fill in the void. You know, it, are they going to be able to do that with Emmanuel Mosley? Is he going to step up and be that the uh, um, guy that may not necessarily be rich caliber and being a future Hall of Famer for sure, but. Uh, but at least filling up some, filling in some of the production, um, uh, you know, to kind of uh, uh, cushion the loss of, of Sherman, you know, now uh, not being on the team anymore. Um, but but they still have a lot of great pieces in that segment. I really do like Jaquiski, Tart, uh, Jimmy Ward, and Jason Verrett. Now that he's finally healthy, I mean, this guy's back to Pro Bowl caliber form, and I, I could not be more happy for. I could not be happier for this guy. 
uh, considering all of the injury hurdles he's had to overcome that really halted his progression when he was in San Diego, or now obviously L.A., um, as the L.A. Chargers are now. Uh, so they begin out of their schedule. It's not too, not too hard to begin out with the Lions and Eagles, but the next seven weeks it gets harder with, you know, again, they're, they're going through a lot of divisional play, and this is arguably the toughest division of football with, you know, the, the, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the, and, and the Rams in the mix, uh, including the Cardinals twice. They've also got Green Bay, Indianapolis, and they're at Chicago, at Soldier Field. So that's within weeks uh, three through nine. That's that's going to be a tough kill time. Uh, um, and it'll be interesting. And they keep their health intact. That's going to be the big thing. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, though, I never really answered this uh, part of the question earlier uh, into Jimmy Garoppolo's um, uh, likelihood of remaining under center as a starter for the 49ers for 2021. But I think he's got a good chance as long as he can keep himself healthy. And to be honest, I think that really helps out the 49ers in the long run. They want to maximize this guy's uh, uh, trade, you know, uh, uh, trade value. He's going to be, when it's all said and done, probably traded so that they can put their future in Trey Lance under center. And will that happen happen, uh, a couple years from now? We're not sure yet, Uh, but it's, it's, it, you know, uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy, I feel confident that he can he can keep himself under center. Um, only time will tell ultimately with him. I think it'll it helps though acquiring Alex Mack in the offseason. Of course, he comes from the Atlanta Falcons, uh, uh, numerous multi-time Pro Bowler. Uh, you know, as they're at their uh, uh, anchoring their center spot um, uh, for the Falcons, for the Browns, obviously most of all where we we, we uh, uh, recognize him. Um, more so with, but uh, this is someone who can still play at a high level. I mean, he's only one season removed from his highest grade ever he earned by a pro football focus back in 2019. Only allowed one sack last year. He's also a very tremendous run blocker. A lot of people note that it's his biggest strength, most of all compared to uh, 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 his, um, uh, you know, his pass blocking, his pass protection that he brings to the table. Um, and I think that will also help again Raheem Mostert. This is a guy when he's on the field, he's special. But the thing is, when he's on the field, and last year he had a rough going in terms of dealing with those bouts of injuries to where they're wondering, can he be that guy that they can rely on considering his health uh, obstacles he's had to overcome? So that, uh, that that's something that's going to going to factor into whether or not this team is going to get back into contention fashion. Um, but I think they've got they still got pieces in place. A lot of young talent, uh, you know, you're talking about that that receiving core that really uh, uh, can serve this team well in the long run. And uh, um, but it, it'll be it's they're, they're the biggest mystery of them all. I, I really do believe so. Uh, um, you know, it, it all depends on, on, on health, to be honest. And um, uh, that's that, I think that's honestly this, this 49ers team is, is really going to have to to keep themselves intact and, and, and rely on that depth and, and say, hey, they called upon again this year to stay, uh, uh, you know, to where they're going to have to fill in the void. And, and so if, if they can, if they have the depth to, to back them up again, I think they'll be fine. But uh, uh, again, key thing, uh, number one, number one uh, ability is availability, as they say. So that's that's what the 49ers need to value most of all. And I definitely feel like the quarterback situation is kind of similar to the whole uh, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation that they had. If if Alex Smith's playing well, Mahomes stayed on the bench. Mahomes stayed on the bench. The next year he blew up. 
And that could definitely be what happens with the 49ers. Garoppolo could carry them through the season, get them to the playoffs, maybe even to the Super Bowl. They have a decent team. And if, like you said, if they stay healthy, they can contend. And then next year, Lance can take over. And that's kind of a better situation for a rookie anyways, instead of getting thrown into the fire. And, I mean, we also happened to Darnold getting thrown into New York. So we don't want anything like that to happen to Lance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he's, a, he's a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Yeah. He's not a quarterback. But, but if he can stay healthy, I think he can get them back to the Super Bowl when it's all said and done. The big thing that we're all kind of harping on here, and and what's so interesting is, and this hasn't been just last year or the year before last, or even, you know, going back however many years, it feels like no matter what is going on in San Francisco, it all comes down to injuries. Is that how they're, like, this is just a general question. Is that how the roster is built? Is that kind of you know what's going on behind the scenes with this team when do we have to start questioning the organization and how the organization is run where look if they go out again this year and this is the nfl this is arguably one of the hardest sports to play and stay healthy for a full season no one stays healthy for a full season that's just it seems like an impossibility where are these injuries actually coming from are these all just happen to be injury prone players or is it uh, the organization's philosophy in picking this type of guy up? Or is it something behind the scenes that we don't see? You know, that's kind of just, I feel like, a question mark. That if players get hurt again this year and they lose because of it, we have to ask that question, don't we? They're just not taking enough vitamins. That's all. Maybe. It's not, not taking enough vitamins. They need, they need more milk. Simple as that. They need those Flintstone vitamins, you know? Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting to see, though, with D'Amico Ryan. He's their new defense coordinator. Uh, you guys remember him from the Houston and his Houston and Philly days as a interior linebacker. He was a nice, nice yeah. linebacker uh, player. And uh, I, I'm eager to see what he brings to the table. I mean, this is a team that, again, is is they've got a lot of great pieces still in place despite some of their losses on, uh, you know, offensively, like we took for instance. But uh, D'Amico, he's, he's got a lot of talent to work with, and, and I'll be eager to see what kind of schemes he throws at people uh, uh, when when he makes his debut at D.C. Yeah, she's probably going to have to be kind of throwing a lot of schemes at these teams, especially um, the Cardinals. Uh, they're trying to get multidimensional this offseason. So what do you guys think about adding Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, and James Conner about how it's going to open this offense up to be able to do more things? I think it's going to be actually pretty big. Rondale Moore can open up more of the intermediate passing game because they didn't really have much of that last year. Christian Kirk has been kind of a whiff. He hasn't done much for them. Rondale Moore, as a freshman, had over 1,200 yards receiving and a 29% market share at the targets. And over his career, he had uh, he, he dealt with injuries and stuff, but in the games he played, he had a 31% target share, which is about 93rd percentile for college athletes, which is really good. And he's real explosive. He's short, but he's going to take up – he's going to be in the slot. The slot doesn't really matter so much. They're going to have A.J. Green on the outside. And A.J. Green, he's older, but he doesn't win with speed. He's more of a possession guy. So, if he can stay healthy, he can still bring his game. It's just that he has to stay healthy, which is a big problem for him with all the foot issues and stuff that he's had. But Connor, 
I think is a better back than people have given him credit for. I wrote an article for it for OTH, if anybody wants to see my Edmonds versus Connor article. But uh, Edmonds, he can be the pass catching back, and Connor can be the, the first and second down grinder and be the uh, – he can be their goal line back. And then uh, Connor, he actually – I think was what was it ninth in the league? Hold on, let me see. I have it. I have it on here. He was oh, he was seventh in the league in big runs. He had nine, and he was thirteenth uh, in big run rate, which was five point three percent. So everybody wants to talk about talk about how he's washed and he's slow, but he only played in uh, thirteen games last year, and he had nearly a thousand all-purpose yards. He had seven hundred and. 21 rushing yards, six touchdowns, and 35 receptions for 215 yards. So that's that's pretty solid numbers. It's just that everybody get they people and I cover fantasy mostly for us and people in fantasy they get burnt by somebody and they don't then they just don't even care about him anymore. And Connor's not a bad running back, but Edmonds also if they if they use him on more sweeps and stuff he'll be good it's just that they like to run the ball up the middle way too much and kingsbury is really bad about adjusting and i think that's a, re- a reason that he hasn't been successful as a head coach because at at the college level i want to say he was like 35 and 40. hold on let me well he's 13 18 one 13 and 18 and one as an nfl coach and he was 35 and 40 as a college coach and I think it's because he has a tough time adjusting as the season goes on. And stuff that works at the beginning of the season, he just keeps on pushing it, keeps on pushing it, thinks it's going to work, and it doesn't. And he puts him, his team in a bad situation. Yeah, I've got two kind of points about that, like the, both all that stuff that you just brought up, which oh, it's a ton of it I 100% agree with, mostly with the uh, – not even a comparison between Chase Edmonds and James Conner because – to me, I think that was probably the biggest pickup for them uh, among their offensive pickups, just because those two can really be such a, like, honestly, if they just split it down the middle 50-50 between how many touches they get, how much how much time they're on the field, those two guys could be so complimentary. They play different styles of football. They play, honestly, just the two types of running backs that you need to run a modern NFL offense, You're you're in the clear. And the, the second big thing for me, like you said, with Cliff Kingsbury, when is he going to be on the hot seat? Like, at this point, it has I to be think this year. it has to be oh, this yeah, year. Yeah. He is on the hot it seat this year because yeah. if you look at Kyler Murray and if you look at the way that they're running him and making him play football, they don't have a scheme for him. They're not built for no. Kyler Murray. They're telling him this is a – he's running a college offense and he's running a bad college offense. He's essentially telling his quarterback and his skill position guys, hey, go out there, play football. Yeah, they're, they're winning despite the coach, not because of the coach. Exactly. They have so much yeah. talent. Kyler Murray has not taken that next step to become an elite NFL quarterback, and he has every skill, every quality that you want in an NFL quarterback, height, whatever. At this point, I think you can look at the tape that's and realize thing, and it's a yeah. wash. That does not matter with how yeah. good Kyler yeah. Murray is. He is not being taught correctly. He is not being coached correctly. He the, the scheme does not work for the players that they have. If the Cardinals do not take a huge step forward this season, 
Cliff Kingsbury is quite clearly the issue, and he has to go. Because if they had a, I don't even want to say a real NFL coach, because he is a real NFL coach. If they Somehow. had a, a more experienced NFL coach, a, a, a more coaching NFL coach, this team is light years ahead of where they are now. And I would argue that if they had a better coach, they might be one of my favorites to win this division. Because they have so much skill and talent at every single position. Even their offensive line got better this year. Yeah, and the yeah. thing is, like, Kyler, had, he had a higher success rate, really, when he was scrambling around back there. Because because they're not scheming anybody open. Mm-hmm. He's just having to run around and chuck it up to Hopkins. Yeah, and, and this yep. year, with the players that they got, with they, the, what they have now, he shouldn't have to do that. You no. have guys that can create space on their own. AJ Green is a has been through his career a possession monster. Same type of thing with DeAndre Hopkins and like you said, Rondale Moore. He is shifty. He is fast. He's so Good quick. Route, his three cone is so impressive to watch. It's just his change of direction, his acceleration. It's so just it's fun. He, it's fun he's watching so this athletic. guy run drills. That's and he's insane. Small. He's small and he's just so powerful too when he's running. Like he. He looks like he's a running back when he catches mm-hmm. the ball. And he's only like 180. Yeah. The it's just, he's it's, stout for his height. It's wild. And so like, fun to watch in college. How many times can you look at a guy and say, it's fun to watch this guy run drills? It's exactly. re- it really yeah. doesn't happen often, and Rondell Moore is one of those guys. So he's got everything yeah. around him to succeed. That defense should be stout. That offensive line, I mean, after some of their additions, like this offseason – should be very good as well. The question is, do they have the coaching staff? Do they have the guys behind the scenes calling plays to put this team in a position to succeed? And if they don't do it this year, that's got to be it. Because you can never keep the same team every year. And if this isn't a team you can succeed with, look, I don't think that there's any team that you can really put that coaching staff behind and just say, we're going to win this year. I mean, you you take Mike Tomlin and put him over there, coaching oh, come the on, Cardinals, right. and they win the Super Bowl easily. They might like they very yeah, well could. I, yeah, it, it's Lincoln Riley, man. It, his seat is scolding hot right now, to say the least. Uh, this is someone who, again, I, I think he, he's worked with some quarterbacks in the past. Don't get me wrong, he's. Baker Mayfield, and I believe you. You know, he also recruited Kyler Murray as well. Uh, this, you know, this is uh, um, uh, um, uh, a Cl- a Cliff Kingsbury. Excuse me, I, I did. A, I don't know if I said Lincoln Riley. I was about to you bring up Lincoln Lake, Riley. Yeah. Someone. Oh, I said Lincoln Riley. You, you did say Lincoln. Like, uh, Kingsbury. Um, I was confused for a second. I was confused. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at Lincoln Riley's page, and I'm thinking like maybe he's someone who could step in and be that guy. I should say uh, to mm. um, just lost my thought for saying yeah. uh, maybe he could step in and be that guy to uh, um, uh, uh, to take over for the Cardinals because of his experience with 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 Kyler Murray. But with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, this is someone who's had experience working with quarterbacks himself. You know. You know, with his days at Texas Tech with, with Patrick Mahomes, for instance, um, and, and, and Baker Mayfield, who was initially a, a Texas Tech quarterback as well. Uh, so he's had some experience with quarterbacks. What but, he's, but he was awful. Yeah, it's not like his yeah. track record is and good. Was Wait a second. He just fell up. He fell up from a college <laughs> coaching job, 35 and 40, 
to the NFL. Like, Both if those... you're bad at your job, how do you get a promotion? If and... I'm bad at my job, I'm not getting a promotion. They're going to fire me. And the funny thing yeah, is, make sense. both those guys that you said who are now good NFL quarterbacks went from Cliff Kingsbury to Lincoln Riley, and it became so much more successful than they ever were under Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Like, if that yeah. doesn't show up, and that's not me just saying, oh, you know, I I have to say, I feel like Lincoln Riley at this point, I don't know if he's ever leaving Oklahoma. His job is yeah. cushy. It is soft. He, but did y'all see that Oklahoma and out. Texas are trying to move to the SEC? It won't be so cush after yeah, that. No, no, it won't it be so cush after that. And as an SEC guy myself, horns yeah. down. Oh man, <laughs> let's go. Oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I as a Gamecocks fan, I'm a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. I am like, like absolutely sweating bullets right now thinking about <laughs> if Oklahoma and Texas were joining man I don't think we have a chance in hell to, to, to be a whatsoever if you guys end up joining uh considering I mean I know Texas hasn't always been the contender it's expected to be year in and year out but uh the history alone still speaks volumes to attract recruits to want to come there and get this program back to relevance again so that it's that alone for the the uh texas of why i fear them and then obviously oklahoma being the national contender that they've been year in and year out enough said okay i don't need to say any more yeah uh, with with this, oklahoma this is the nfc west uh, but i don't mind some sec talk well yeah and then if if you think about it if texas already has plenty of polls for recruitment and then if they're in the sec they can take basically anybody that was going to go to texas a&m because it's in the sec they're going to Texas. They have better funding. They have better facilities. It's it's going to be crazy. But as an LSU fan, I'm excited for it. Because LSU, they could field a team. It might not say. always be yeah. good, but, but they're fun to watch. Hey, and for me, same, same type of thing, hottie toddy. You know, we can score on anybody. You Simple never know. That. You never know. Never I'll, know. I'll tell you what, What's I'm that? eager to see Matt how those, Corral, y'all's quarterback. Yes, sir. Yes, oh, he he's going to be so good this year. He's going to be so good. I'm so excited to watch Matt Corral this year. It's going to be so much fun. So much fun. He's going to be, gonna be uh, one of those guys that is looked at a lot in the NFL draft list next year. Be. I mean, the arm talent alone. I mean. For sure. Like, I don't know about you guys. I don't see many, many guys coming through uh, as – you know, not really looked at that can throw the ball as hard as Trevor Lawrence can. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude's good. Sorry to get the show off the rails, yeah, guys. But, I just get really excited about no, no, SEC football. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm an SEC guy, too, so I, I welcome it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, uh, but yeah, no, Matt Corral, I, I really like his potential in the long run. This guy is he's the real deal. Um, and good for, you know, Ole Miss, for instance, for, you know, finally, you know, developing that quarterback again to, to you know like i, I remember their their uh, uh chad kelly days who, uh, uh, i really like oh uh, man even though chad he's kelly, i thought he was yeah i oh uh, i really I thought, thought i thought but uh you know i yeah his it, off, it ended out bad but, you know <laughs> the thing is his but, off the field stuff like that really yeah. kind of derailed his career at the nfl yeah. this yeah. i hate to say this because like I've, I've heard good and bad about him but i wasn't too surprised uh you know yeah, I, but I heard some field, things everything's always been great I, on the field everything's always oh. been great with chad kelly yeah at yeah. the collegiate level with a lot of the talent that he had around him. yeah keep in mind two of yeah. the i would say two mm-hmm. of the best receivers in the nfl at this point he did get to play with those two guys so that's true you know yeah a little bit oh, of DK, DK and AJ, Metcalf, and, uh, um, my, my and AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love AJ oh, Brown. I think he's uh, so well, good. 
we'll get into that in another episode but but he is he is special i think he's, he's an up-and-coming like when it's all said and done i wouldn't be surprised if dk metcalf and aj brown are number one and number two in terms of the best receivers in the entire league i'm just yeah. saying like i know it's co- incredibly coincidental but i just think they're that talented to be mm-hmm. honest uh they're unreal uh and you know metcalf being the uh uh physical the, freak the, the just child the child of, of of Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones, essentially, because <laughs> of like what he has uh, at phys- from a physical standpoint, unbelievable. But going back to the Cardinals, though, we're talking about Rondell Moore and uh, AJ Green, James Conner, their their offseason acquisitions. I like them, honestly. Yeah. I, I think the one I, I don't think much about is AJ Green, and, and with all due respect to the storied career that he's had and being a fellow uh, 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 resident, you know, former resident of South Carolina, actually went to uh, the high school that I would have ended up going to had I stayed in South Carolina when I was uh, born there uh, in Somerville. I grew up in Somerville, where he went to high school. I love me some AJ Green. He's a special receiver, and it's he's got an absolutely unfair shake with injuries. And playing for, for, for well, let's just be real. It, it's not just playing, it's not playing for necessarily Marvin Lewis or playing for Zach Taylor. It, it's been playing for Mike Brown. He's the, the owner, the general manager. He's had the complete reins to this team, and he's he's made them into a completely irrelevant team that hasn't had a postseason win since the 90s. And it's been his fault. Let's just be real about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really sympathize with AJ, AJ Green, but considering the unfair shake of injuries, considering his age at 33, considering the last year where he actually did play 16 games and didn't produce at his normal uh, uh, expected level of production, uh, I don't expect much from him this year, especially with the acquisition of Rondell Moore, especially with having DeAndre Hopkins. You know, uh, um, uh, they, they still have Christian Kirk on the team as well. This is a team, I think, that's going to lean on their youth more so than on A.J. Green, who's going to be really a, a, a role player within that receiving core. And so I don't expect much from him, but I do like the acquisition of Rondell Moore. We talk about him. He, he's a little guy. He's not, he's not huge, but he, he plays like big. a big player for his size. Oh, yeah. He, he, he plays like a big player for his size, and he's got the speed. We're talking – you know, I, I was funny. I was looking up like his forty-yard dash to remind myself how fast he was, and they were like, he, he didn't run the. Someone said, someone said he didn't run the fastest time at a four-two-nine, and I'm like, that's still ridiculously fast. What are you talking about? Uh, like, oh yeah, like, not that fast at a sub-four-three. Oh no, it's not John Ross like record-breaking combine speed, but it's still four-two-nine. It's still like six hundredths away from that. Like, what are you talking? That's ridiculously fast. And then on top of that, he's got he plays at a physical level for his size. Again, he's only 5'7", 180, you know, 180 pounds in terms of his measurements, but he plays so much bigger than that. And he, he was an absolute one-man wrecking crew out of Purdue. He was unreal. He had, he does have a bit of an injury history, so there's that that could come into play that you wonder can he stay healthy? But if he can, I think he could be a really pivotal figure even early on in his rookie year. Uh, uh, for this Cardinals offense, more so than you know uh, 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 what we initially thought of with with guys like an Andy Isabella or a Christian Kirk when they came into the Cardinals roster. Uh, uh, so I really am high on him. I think he is, and he's a gadget guy too. He he could do a lot of different things where you could put him all over the field. You can you can run uh, um, reverses with him. You can you know experiment with him. You know, in the slot as well. This is someone who can who can fill in so many voids for them offensively that can really bolster their production, which was still a very good. Even though they kind of fell flat on their faces in the second half of the season, they still were 
when it, you know when it was all said and done, a good team overall offensively, and I think he, he really asked them. And then James Conner could be the most interesting piece of them all. Uh, um, I know Chase Evans is currently uh, uh, their uh, their number one guy, uh, uh, at, you know, listed at, at the running back position. But but James Conner, I think really, he's someone who maybe that like. What, the Steelers did make the right decision going after Najee Harris. I really like that they were able to draft him uh, to, to, to help him step in at that spot. Uh, but but Connor was someone I, I, I felt like probably got too much of the blame last year for their lack of production uh, out of the run game because that offensive line was a mess. It, I think it, it, was, really ranked, it was ranked like 31st in the NFL, Ooh. that offensive, the run and block yeah. in the line. It and really Tomlin, Tomlin was actually upset that they lost Connor. He was upset that he signed yeah. the Cardinals. I, I was really, it was really unfortunate that they weren't able to retain his services because I still think he can be a, a, a viable option out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. I still think he can be that feature back at the very least, a split back with, you know, um, with Chase Edmonds. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, as long as he can keep himself healthy, that's the biggest thing. He's had numerous health concerns. We talked about it with the 49ers. It's the same case with, with, with James Conner. But when he's healthy, he's one of the better, you know, power backs in all of football. Um, I, he's more of a north-south guy. He's not a speedster. He doesn't bring a ton of speed. But when you need that physical brute force that, to come out of your backfield, he's that guy that can provide it. So if he can stay healthy, uh, this, the, you know, the sky's the limit potentially for this offense who also, um, you know, I, uh, you know, added to their 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 uh, their tight end position with Max Williams, who I really like as well um, in terms of from an athletic perspective. I know he hasn't proven it yet uh, um, in terms of like from a product per production standpoint, but if he can find his rhythm, man, this guy, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he made the Pro Bowl when he's playing with 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 Kyler Murray. Uh, that that's how talented of an athlete this guy is. So, really. I, I value what they brought offensively in the offseason to the table uh, for 2021. It, it's just a matter of Cliff. It's going to come down to Cliff Kingsbury. I, I'm sorry, but you've got to prove it this year. They could be moving on from him uh, in a split second. I mean, Steve Kahn, their general manager, and and, and Michael Bidwell, their owner, uh, they're going to they're going to be keeping him on a short leash. It, it's 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 do or die for his time in in Arizona. Uh, uh, this season to finally get into the postseason and and show that they're a Super Bowl contender like many people, frankly, thought they could have been last year in the first half of the season. So uh, very interesting year for the Cardinals uh, coming up. Uh, but but a lot of moving pieces that are going to have to prove themselves um, to really get this team uh, um, thought of as highly as they should be. I only made that face because I, I really like Dan Arnold, who they had before. He was a converted receiver, and I felt like he was a really special pass-catching tight end for them. And he, yeah, he moved on. Like he, got paid, he got paid pretty good, though, by the, by the Panthers. I don't yeah. know if they should have paid him as much, but we'll see this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he, you know, he was just finally getting into that, that – uh, uh, finally getting more reps as as a tight end so they you know moving on from him was was unfortunate but if they are going to move on from someone who's young and who's who, again who who has that athleticism necessary to be a potential number one at the tight end spot i don't blame him for going after max williams uh uh you know he, he didn't get to prove himself too much in baltimore but i think with the cardinals it could be a different story yeah i can see that i can see that 
I'm running out of time here, you guys, but I wanted to ask you guys three general questions, um, three about the NFC West, obviously, and uh, just give me one-word answers. So which team won this, the offseason? Craig? Oh, man. Came to me first. I, I'd have to go with the Rams. I mean, even though they lost Acres, just getting the upgrade from Goff to Stafford's big for me. David? I think I'm going to have to also go the Rams. I think, Matt, yeah, Matt Stafford acquisition really puts him over the hump. And George? Uh, yeah, it's looking like it's it's a clean sweep for the Rams. I'm really looking hard, though, at the Cardinals. but It was a big offseason for the Cardinals, yeah, too. It's a yeah. huge offseason for the Cardinals, nice. but, but looking at just the huge difference I see between Jared Goff and Matt Stafford, I, I mean, there's just a gulf between the two. Absolutely. All right, so next question, I'll go backwards. Let's start with George here. Um, which team is going to finish last in the division? Oh, which team is going to finish last? Oh. Um, maybe a hot take, maybe not. Go in Seattle. As, as, much as, the, as much as the Niners' success is dependent on their health, just overall, I feel like they have a lot more talent, you know, between their starting roster, their their first stringers, as opposed to the Seahawks. Do I think Russell Wilson is, is the best quarterback between those two teams? Of course. But I'm still not sold 100% on that secondary. And look, that offensive line is just brutal. It's, it's bad. Yeah. David? Um, I would have to go probably the 49ers. I know, uh, uh, but you can make a strong case for the Seahawks, I think, considering the fact that they aren't as versatile as the Cardinals in terms of talent. Uh, they more so just have more superstars. But if one of those superstars were to go on, like a Russell Wilson or even a Bobby Wagner or DK Metcalf, then, yeah, you would have to say the Seahawks, I think, to, is, are, are poised to finish last in the division. I'm going to say the 49ers, considering a lot of unproven pieces and the lack of superstars they have compared to other teams. Yeah. Craig? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Cardinals just because of coaching. I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. And if DeAndre Hopkins, for some reason, got banged up, that's that's a huge hit to their offense. I mean – like I said, I love Rondale Moore, and but after that, that's it for their receiving core. And then we all like James Conner, but he always gets hurt. And then Chase Edmonds, we've never seen it from, from him being able to handle a full workload. So after James Conner and Chase Edmonds, you got Eno Benjamin, who we haven't seen anything from. He was a healthy scratch all year last year. Oh, you're kind of like mm -hmm. Xavier Jones. Yeah. Yeah, so conversely. I like your defense, though, but yeah. Yeah, I can. Conversely, here, so what? What are we thinking for? How many of these teams make the playoffs, and who's going to win the division, Craig? Oh man, I think that uh, I kind of I think the Rams will win the division this year, and then I I feel like uh, probably three teams, three teams make the playoffs. If if you look at the Vegas odds, all all four teams are really set to make the playoffs, but the even the Cardinals. They're plus 600 to win the division, but they're plus 2,200 to be in the, uh, to win the NFC. And that's eighth in the NFC. That's crazy. That's, I mean, that's got to be the best division in football. That's eighth in the NFC, and there's only four teams in the division. Yep. 
Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah. Playoff teams. Yeah, I, I think there this this division. Like again, I think it's the toughest division in all of football. Um, you could make an argument that three teams out of the NFC North could come out of the playoffs, but I think it's more so likely that three teams out of the NFC West come uh, head into the playoffs when it's all said and done. I would say most likely the Rams would win the division, and then I would say probably the Seahawks would, would uh, earn that uh, second place wild card spot, uh, uh, and then uh, that other wild card or that or that first wild card spot and that second wild card spot. I would probably get uh, um, uh, uh, give to the uh, um, uh, the, the uh, Cardinals, mm-hmm. uh, and the, with the 49ers tailing it off at, at, at the bottom of the division. But I think the Cardinals, yeah, they're. they're ugh. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's got a lot of proof. I think he'll squeak in and, and, and maybe save his job for one more year, but I don't feel the most optimistic about it. Is it's going to be interesting is, to see. Is he going to be the Gus Malzahn of the NFL, just doing <laughs> enough to keep his job every year? <laughs> well, at least Gus Malzahn led them to a national championship. Cliff Kingsbury didn't do jack when he was with us. Uh, he's Texas never done Texas. anything. He's so- he has literally never done anything and just has an NFL job. He's like he stumbled into it. He's like he happened to be at the right place at the right time. Like, and, and Steve Kimes like, you, I want you to be our head coach. Like, I don't get, I don't care. Like, just you be the head coach. I, he just the first guy he saw and he just picked Cliff Kingsbury. And it's just crazy because he's, he's thought of as this offensive genius and he can't scheme anyone open. No. Yeah. You know that one, that big Hail Mary play between the Bills and the Cardinals with with, with DeAndre Hopkins. That was all Kyler Murray and DeAndre yeah, that, Hopkins. That yeah. was not. That was not that schematically was, no. done. Completely yeah. off script. <laughs> Completely off script. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So last one here, George. All right. Um, How many playoff teams and who wins the division? So as I'm looking at the rest of the NFC, as tough as like I genuinely, this is the most difficult division in all of football. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And because of that, I'm going Rams to win the division. I think they have the best quarterback right now. Uh, second best quarterback. I really like Russell Wilson. But mm-hmm. definitely one of the you know top-tier quarterbacks, not just in the division, but in, in football still, in Stafford. I'm only going with one other team because there are a couple other teams in the NFC that I really look at and say, okay, even though they don't play in necessarily the toughest division, they still have a very good squad all around. I mean, it you know, you can look at, let's just say, um, the Saints or the Vikings. Both those teams play in a weak enough yep. division where you can go in a division game and say, eh, we're pretty sure they're going to win this. Whereas in the NFC West, you can play any of these teams on any given week and say, that might be an L on the schedule. So... Just because I think this this division is going to just kind of beat up on itself at some stretch during the season, I've got the Rams winning it and probably the Cardinals taking one of the wild card seeds just as kind of a in spite of Kingsbury type deal because this team is just loaded with talent. There There's just so much to work with, and I do think that with the addition of Malcolm Butler, they're going to have just good enough of a secondary to really kind of work their way into the playoffs, even if they just squeak their way in. And with the NFC North, I feel like the Vikings can win it. If, pack, if, yeah. uh, if, if they don't get Rodgers back, it's the Vikings division. 
Yeah. And then maybe the hey, bears. Let's not count on my bears now. <laughs> now hey, I'm, hey, I'm hey. saying then, then maybe the bears, but they just have to. I know the bears. I can see what the bears are doing. They're going to let field sit the first few games just because they have some tough games to begin in the season. And mm-hmm. then they're going to put fields in and they're going to be really good. But when Dalton's starting, it's not going to be great. No, it's not going to be great. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I don't have lofty expectations for my Bears whatsoever. Next Even year, with though, fields, I think a lot of pieces. Yeah, but yeah, in the future, uh, the NFC oh, yeah. will be very interesting. I think though, um, uh, to see who comes out. But yeah, NFC West though, I think unequivocally toughest division in the league. And the North is completely dependent on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And like, it's nice to say, yeah. division. And kind of just looking at what that other wild card team that I'm thinking of could be. I mean, look, Saints, again, it's all based on their quarterback decision because we've seen both those guys play extremely well. We've seen both those guys play extremely poorly. And then you look at the East, could they be the NFC least again? Sure, but Washington still has an awesome defense, and we'll have to see what happens with their offense. Dallas, what's Dak Prescott going to be? We don't have to talk about the mm-hmm. other two. That's fine. I mean, I like Jalen Hurts this year, <laughs> but the, the Eagles aren't gonna be great. But I like. I think Hurts is really good for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, I like. I, liked, I like their draft though. I like the Eagles draft. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Was they good. did a, they did a great good. job. I think yeah. they're. I think they're positioning yeah. themselves well for next year, and I. I, I really hope they're not positioning themselves to move on from Jalen next year because I feel like they could build around him. Mm-hmm. and then build a really good team because he can be a good quarterback for them. He was great at Oklahoma. He's got a really mm-hmm. good, like, he's got a really good mentality for the game. He's a good leader. And everybody, you could see everybody rally around him last year. I mean, everybody gave so much crap to him about having, like, a 50% completion percentage, but Wentz wasn't doing better before. And the offense looked completely no. different under Jalen Hurts. And, I mean, yeah. even – Everybody wanted to make excuses for her for Wentz when he was playing, but then wanted to be like, "Oh, well, Hertz isn't even that good." But he was putting up numbers with the same weapons. Great yeah. Ward. Yeah, and the receiving core was just nothing. so depleted. Awful. So depleted. Gross. Horrible. So <laughs> we can we can save the rest of that go. for the NFC least podcast. Oh yeah, we'll do that. Not the Already NFC. Taking shot. Um, Damn. <laughs> but the the AFC East is the one that we're going to be doing next week. Oh no, so, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's even. That's, right. Can we just call them both it. like the least <laughs> divisions? They're just they're well, just both. Well, the thing so is, bad. the thing is, the uh, the Dolphins and the Bills are really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's really they're like both of those divisions have they're like so one good. or two standout like really solid teams, but the rest are just. Hmm. I don't know no, yet. But well, we can't count out the Patriots because of Belichick. Yeah, all four of those teams can be a playoff team. Maybe even the Jets, they got a lot of turnover, a new coach. Maybe Salah. not. Salah. Yeah, I, I love Robert. Terrific. I love Salah. That, that could become a, that could go from one of the worst divisions in football to one of the best in just a year or yeah, two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But for Absolutely. now, they're still not good. We're going to roll with that. Only <laughs> <laughs> time will tell. Uh, Rams got them that division last year. Yeah. Um, got this year have been better. Sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap this up. We'll see you guys um, next week when we're talking about the AFC East. Um, thank you for watching. All right. Bye. All right. So, Take care. Later, guys. Yeah.